The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin, part of the world-famous Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm Tom Valentino, joined by Travis Yuli. It's Thursday night. Trav, how you doing, buddy? Good evening, Tino. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm very excited that we have March Madness this year, and uh, it's finally here. We've got yeah, the, uh, one of the, the first four games going on in the background. We uh, get to watch the Buckeyes tomorrow. Yeah, I have to admit I missed the like noon Thursday like onslaught where it's just like all of a sudden there's games on true TV and you're looking up what channel true TV is and all that garbage. I missed that a little bit, but um, yeah, I think pretty much everyone's just glad that we're getting a tournament this year. That's the annual SEO sweepstakes, uh, which <laughs> website gets uh, the top ranking in Google search results for what channel is true TV. Exactly. But, uh, hey, the Buckeyes are playing on Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock on CBS against Oral Roberts. And to help us get ready for that, we are joined by Whitney Harding, sports reporter and anchor for NBC4 in Columbus. Hello, Whitney. How are hey you? guys. Good. Good. Ready to get this thing. Like you said, I'm just ready for March Madness. I mean, oh, my gosh. We missed it last year. Really missed it. It was tough. It, it was uh, it was a bummer, man. Big, big, big time downer. It was right at the beginning. I don't think we uh, fully realized what we were exactly getting into in terms of the sports calendar being, uh, you know, shuffled up, so to speak. But uh, yeah, that was a, a big hit to start things off. Yeah, everybody, Ivy League canceled. Everybody's like, that's crazy. And now. <laughs> the fact that looking back, we were all like, oh, the Ivy League, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what's up. Big 12, we're going to follow their lead. <laughs> Oh, we were all young and naive. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. So tell me, uh, tell me about these Buckeyes. I, you know, we were talking before we were starting to record here and uh, full disclosure, I've watched two games this season. Uh, they were both fantastic games, but uh, the Buckeyes ended up on the wrong end of both of them. It was the uh, home game against Michigan a few weeks ago and then the Big Ten championship game on uh, Sunday afternoon there. Um, team looks good, but uh, what, what do I need to know here? Well, they are good. I mean, that is the thing to know. I mean, they definitely have a chance in this. It's, it's just like everything with the NCAA tournament, it's going to come down to matchups and if it's going to work in their favor. And the best thing about Ohio State is they can score from anywhere. They really can. Offensively, they are balanced. They've got different varieties of players at different positions. The negative for them is defense, especially inside, because they are an undersized team. However, I will say to that, they are one of the most physical teams that you will see. And when you get into the tournament and you've got some teams that run up and down the court and things like that, they're not used to physical. And I think you can see with them, physical doesn't mean tall. It just means they're going to make you work. And that's exhausting if you're not used to going up against that. And it's, it's interesting because we watched them in, and I think this was sort of the ongoing trend all season. The one thing that really gave them trouble, and I think if you watched Ohio State and you looked at the matchups, the first thing you looked for is, all right, are there any like big physical <laughs> seven-footers that can give them headaches? We saw Dickinson from Michigan right. and then um, Coburn from Illinois who – 
Um, I mean, they beat Michigan, but Dickinson kind of had, he had a great day and he, and it's, yeah. he's a tough matchup for EJ Liddell, especially with Kyle Young out. Yes. Um, they don't have one of those big guys that can really, you know, really contain right. a, a, a big, like legit strong seven footer. Right. Um, and they, they showed that in the tournament and they've kind of showed it all season. Um, and it seems like the matchups in their bracket are relatively favorable. Yes, um, I would agree. And, and I don't know. I've seen their defense. Yeah, it, it definitely is something to be desired. And I've seen people out there with like advanced metrics saying no one who's had a defense ranked as poorly as Ohio State's has ever won at all. Um, so t- I guess take what you want from that. But um, as you look at and that sort of, I'll, I'll go back to what you just mentioned, sort of with physicality. The big sort of X factor, I think, question mark going into tomorrow, and we still don't really know, and you already alluded that you'll find out more tomorrow, is Kyle Young, who I think we – I don't know about you. I kind of gained a new appreciation for him later in the season because he really was that guy. <laughs> oh, Henry, interrupting, thanks. Um, He's agreeing with you. He's agreeing, yeah. He was he- a guy that it seemed like he started to stand out more as – the sort of emotional, reliable senior leadership on the floor that I don't know that I really noticed from him before, I don't know, maybe the last half of the season. Well, and what's so kind of sad about what happened with Kyle Young in that game is he finally was healthy again. And that's something that he has struggled with his entire career at Ohio State is injuries. But it's also because of how he plays. I mean, he is that guy that will just lay it all out there. And it's great to have. He is the emotional, like, fire plug of this team. But also with that, I mean, he throws his body around and he gets injured. So I think that you try to keep him out as long as you possibly can. I will say, I don't know if this means anything, but there have been pictures posted on, on social media of the team at practice. Um, like they all lined up and took a picture and Kyle Young was not there. So okay. that makes you wonder, is he in Indianapolis right now? What, what, so we what, don't even know if he traveled with the team. I mean, he was there for the big 10 final. Or if, I guess, yeah, if he stayed there with the team. Exactly. So okay. we don't know. Um, hopefully they may not need him for the first game and he can even get more rest. Um, but back to like the big, big men defensive, um, adjustments, I think kind of Travis, you were alluding to this while the defense throughout the season hasn't been great over the last few games when it's mattered, it's been a lot better. And that's what you're wanting this time of year is to be moving in that upwards, you know, direction. So. And it's kind of been, it feels like it's kind of been a tale of two seasons just over the last I don't know, three weeks, they were in really good position. It looked like they were one of the four teams that was lined up to get a one seed going into the tournament. Then they lost four in a row, um, lost to a couple good teams, lost to Michigan state in a close game. Um, and so you started to look at them like, okay, what's going on here. And then in the, the big 10 tournament, they showed a lot of heart. They played four games in four days. You could tell when they came out against Illinois, they were really flat. Their legs were t- like they mentioned on the broadcast, they were just dead. Every shot for the first like 10 minutes was short. Mm -hmm. Um, You could just tell the fatigue was setting in for a team that went to overtime the day before and had played one more game than the team they were going against. Um, But they, I mean, they fought back, played their asses off, made it forced overtime, looked like they could have maybe taken it. So they showed, you know, they're capable of playing with those teams. Right. And like you mentioned, they showed, I, I thought they showed a lot in the tournament 
I personally, when they were going in the tournament, was sort of the mindset that I don't really care if they advance in the Big yeah. Ten tournament that much. They I'd almost the take the rest win. because they were, I, did, I, I don't know, I felt like four games in four days might be a lot to ask, then turn around and start the tournament. So mm-hmm. I guess, what are you hearing about where they're at mentally? Because that's kind of a roller coaster. I think the way they bounce back in the tournament indicates positive things. But um, I guess where are they at right now is as they as they enter this and they go against Oral Roberts. So as after the loss in the championship game, I mean, they clearly were just emotionally spent. Normally we get to speak with like two players after a game and we only got to talk to CJ Walker. Um, I will say CJ Walker was pretty upbeat about how he was feeling where the team was headed. And I think that one going into the Illinois game, one thing that I found that was interesting was Dwayne Washington Jr. I asked a question and his answer was, you know, we've beaten teams to get here that we didn't beat yet this year. And he was right. The only team in the Big Ten tournament they faced who they'd already beaten was Illinois. Um, They had not beaten Minnesota. They had not beaten Purdue. And they had not, like um, Tom, like you said, they had not beaten Michigan. So I think when you, when the team looks back on that as a whole, which is what you do like a day or two removed from a tough loss, you see, okay, look how much better we've gotten. And then what also you can really look at, and I hope that they have is how much better they got within the Illinois game. Cause that's, what's so big in the tournament is in-game adjustments and figuring out how to fix things. And you'll watch Kofi Coburn came out and he was just taking over that game. But then once the game started to turn around, especially in the second half, it was where he was catching the ball. He was very uncomfortable. At catching he was a little further out from the basket than exactly. he had been earlier. Yeah. And if you watch him shoot free throws, he's not a great jump away from the basket shooter. So, outside of, yeah, outside of like three or four feet, not right. a whole lot to his game. So, and that's how, if you are an undersized big man, that is how you defend tall guys. And that's where that physicality comes into it because EJ Liddell, fingers crossed, Kyle Young, but those guys, they, I mean, Zed Key is going to be key. (laughs) Didn't mean that. But (laughs) pushing these guys away from the basket and forcing them to do jump shots. And that also is where E.J. Liddell is huge because he can step out and take threes. And that's why he does that. Yeah, it's it's I like to bring up E.J. Liddell because I don't I don't know if anyone really thought about him or talked about him much coming into this season. I thought he showed glimpses last year, but he didn't, you know, he didn't get a ton of minutes. He wasn't like a huge part of what they did. He was sort of a role player off the bench guy. He was behind and, a decent player too. I mean, yeah, yeah. Caleb right. was all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it's funny because I look back at that season and I remember at the end of last season when the tournament got like called off, there were like simul. There was like a random simulation out there. I don't remember what it was, but they ran like fifty thousand simulations, and they crowned Ohio State the champions. And I went yeah. back and looked at like the roster today. I'm like, it looks completely different than it looked last year, which is a little interesting because it's not like they had a whole bunch of like one and dones last year. Mm-hmm. But I thought EJ Liddell has really jumped out this year and been a consistent like game in game out type player um he plays the right way he's a little bit undersized like we sort of saw but not afraid of getting physical same with kyle young like they're guys that are a little undersized for the position that they're they're put in but they they purport themselves well and i think ej liddell adding the three this year has been huge Mm um i honestly i feel like he's still gone a little bit a little been a little bit underrated this year i agree um 
I, so I, I remember there was a game. The, those guys in the Big Ten. I mean, it's just the Big Ten's so good. I mean, it's nothing he's done wrong. Yeah, not and yeah, obviously, like Luka Garza scoring 60 points a game or that, whatever the hell he's doing. And <laughs> um, like, yeah, there's other guys out there that are a little bit. But I remember watching a game a few, two or three weeks ago, and E.J. Liddell was having a great game, and whoever was calling it for ESPN was like, he might have a chance at being like making an all Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was like, I can't imagine this scenario where he's not like first team Big Ten. And I think he made media and maybe second team for coaches mm-hmm. or vice versa. I don't remember what it was. But, like yeah. Um, and he's a guy. It, what can you really like expect more? Is there anything more you can expect to see out of him? Because um, I really felt like he grew into as a sophomore who was being put in a position to yeah. really contribute for the first time. Um, I felt like he grew into it really quickly and just got better and better as the season went on. And he's another yeah. one of those guys sort of like CJ Walker. He doesn't hang his head when things are going poorly. Um, real upbeat. He seems like he's always smiling, always enjoying himself and always playing hard. Yeah. Um, is he and a he guy that it. is he one of those guys that you think in this tournament could be like inserted to the national stage and people yes. will know who he is? Yes. And I, I remember watching them last year. And I I loved EJ Liddell last year. I, I kept saying to people I'd watch games, I'm like, oh man, that kid, he has such high, he's such potential. He's a matchup nightmare. If he can like step out a little bit and shoot from the elbow or shoot the three. And that's what he's done this year. I think he has a real chance to make a big name for himself on this stage. I think the best thing for Ohio State is they're not gonna be playing big 10 teams. <laughs> Like, I think it's, I think it's going to be so interesting to see what they do outside of this conference, because normally people debate what conference is best. I don't really think you can debate it this year. I really don't. I mean, and the thing with the big 10 is traditionally they're known as the physical conference. They'll slow you down. They're going to score between like 60 points a game. No. Ohio State runs. <laughs> they Illinois all, Michigan runs, yeah. just been Michigan, Illinois. Iowa. Yeah. They all they fill just, it up. I mean, Iowa has the most efficient offense in the country, I believe. Ohio State's right there with them. Michigan can light it up because they did it against Ohio State. I mean, it's it's just, it's going to be so wild to see what happens in the tournament just from a Big Ten perspective. But no, I think EJ Liddell definitely has a chance to like make a big name on the scene. I'm also excited to see what Zed Key does and also Michi Johnson. Those are some guys that can... They won't fill up your stat sheet, maybe, but they'll be making big minutes on the floor. Yeah, I think with with what we saw from C.J. Walker, I think he's, and you sort of alluded to it a little bit, and that he was the one guy that you guys got to talk to. Mm-hmm. I also think that he's he's kind of the coach when he's on the floor. He's not a starter um, because he, he had some injury stuff earlier in the season, so he's not starting, but he's still very much – when he's in the game, he's directing everything. And it seems like that's a really natural fit for him. Um, he reminds me of and, Manu Ginobili. Like, he likes coming off the – it seems like he likes coming off he, the Yeah, bench. I mean, he seems like a guy that's willing to do whatever he thinks is yeah. best for the team. Um, and he, he – he's – in the same sort of way, though, he's not going to fill up the stat sheet much either. No. He's going to go and do the – you know, he's going to take – he'll take a charge here and there. He'll get a steal. He'll – make sure that everyone else is where they need to be. And that's mm-hmm. all he's really doing. He's not worried about like getting his numbers or anything. Um, but I'll tell so, you what, if I, if so, if there needs to be a shot made, if you do a little screen for him and he does that dribble pull up, you know, mid range. I generally, good. I generally hate the like 10 to 12 foot 
you know, mid-range jump shot. But this is money. Yeah, he's right there with it. He's also incredible at the free throw line, so you love yes. that. Um, I do think, and and we've seen it a little bit, we've seen it a couple times recently, Dwayne Washington Jr. is maybe not super consistent, but when he gets going, he's going. Like, yeah. I, I don't remember what, he had 30-something against... 32. Illinois. He's had a few thir- thirty-two. That, uh, He's had a few broke, games where um, he just Evan Turner's record. Really? Championship game. Evan Turner set the Big Ten okay. championship record in oh gosh, was that twenty ten? Anyone? Eleven, maybe. I don't know. I'm I don't close. Know. We'll see. I'm right Um, but he set it with thirty-one. And okay. Dwayne. Oh, so he got the overtime. He got the bump in overtime. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah. So he's a guy that I think, and we saw it against Illinois, probably more so than Liddell. I think Liddell's a little more consistent. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Washington's a little bit more up and down, and that's not to say that he's ever really that down. Um, okay. But, he, I mean, he started off pretty rough against Illinois and then just completely turned it on in the second half and carried him to get that, you know, to make that a game. Um, he's another guy, I think, that is capable of, of sort of making a name for himself and people that watch – that don't watch a whole lot of big Ten basketball or like, Oh, who the hell's this guy? And how have we not heard of him before? Um, But the one thing that sort of jumps out at me is as this team has been pretty good all year and they've been, they had that little lull where they lost four in a row, but there's not a whole lot of like NBA talent on this team. No, I don't think there's anyone. There's two seniors and they're CJ Walker and Cal young Mm -hmm. who neither one of them's big NBA guys. Both of them might try to come back next year. I mean, there's no one going to the NBA, right? No, um, uh, not after this season. And it's so funny because I did a story for our sports show. Uh, has it been a month ago now with um, Sports Illustrated's Pat Forty, and we talked about what is going on with the Blue Bloods. And it's not. You look at the top ten in college basketball this year. You know those schools, like you know the names, like you know who Illinois is, you know who Gonzaga is, but. Let's face it, the usual suspects, Kansas might be the exception, was nowhere to be found. And I asked Pat about that. I was like, is that just this year? Because let's face it, COVID made everything different. There were no preseason games. There were no exhibition games. So lots of those schools that have young talent, the talent didn't get the like, you know, whooping games where, you know, you get to play extra minutes and do dumb crap and then you move on. But I asked Pat, is that just this year? He said, no, that is where this is headed. And that's why you see, even though these are schools that aren't blue bloods, they are programs. So it's, these aren't the schools that are just getting these like one and done. They are schools that are bringing in talent. They are developing talent. And like you said, Travis, look what Chris Holtman has done. I mean, he got hired the same year as Archie Miller. And I will, I will fully admit, mea culpa here. I was bummed when Archie Miller went to Indiana because I thought he was the heir apparent to that. He just seemed like a perfect fit. It, he did. And I don't know that he, I don't know that it was totally fair that he got canned from Indiana, but I, I will say I wouldn't trade him for Chris Holtman right now. Um, and, yeah, and, he's and done an incredible job. And, and Chris is, and he's brought in, he's brought in some really good players. I mean, like they, it's not like they've had these scrubs. I mean, no, they, these are good players, but they develop. And like, we, like look what EJ Liddell has done in a year. Think of what that kid's going to look like next year. I mean, it's amazing. Michi Johnson, that kid's supposed to be in high school. Yeah, and local kid here from Cleveland. From Cleveland. Right. And already on the defensive end, he is a stud. I mean, you put him in and you're not worried. 
it's that's a that's sort of an interesting story too they just went to him when they're like hey this is yeah. not going to matter either way mm-hmm. why don't you just come play he said yeah okay what the hell i'll be there and he gives them spurts here and there like he's not playing a ton of minutes which is kind of be expected because he, he plays you know joined minutes. real late yeah and he gives you exactly what you want from him in mm-hmm. that time and it's the one thing that kind of jumps out at me and you Whitney you spent the last before you moved to Columbus last year you spent the six years prior in Louisville where you were covering Kentucky and Louisville Mm -hmm. Um, Kentucky probably a little more so than Louisville 100% depends on the one and done guys to carry them year in and year out and Ohio State couldn't be doing it any more differently than that Um, so as someone who's sort of seen both sides of it what jumps out to you about why maybe other than COVID I know everyone will sort of lean on that but there's got to be more to it than just, oh, they, they, you know, they didn't have a couple months of practice or whatever. There is. And sometimes what happens, this is not the first time um, Cal's had a dud of a team. Um, this is the, the, the worst situation. Um, but the New Orleans Noel year, they went to the NIT because they got busted in the first round by who was that? Was it like Murray State or it was it was somebody um, like a smaller school. And so that was when Nerland, the young Nerlens got hurt. And so that definitely hurt them. But um, yeah, what happens sometimes when you bring in those one and dones is if you're recruiting just talent, you're not necessarily recruiting pieces that are going to work together. And that is what so many of these other like schools have done is you look at the puzzle. You don't look at just who is the best player and I'm just going to throw it all in together. And I know there's more to it than what John Calipari does put more into it than that. But in the most simplest terms, that is what it is. And when you even look at some of the programs, the one and dones, I think mostly of Duke and Kentucky. If you look at the other, even the blue bloods, they don't really do it. They have maybe one. I mean, look at North Carolina. They get maybe like one or two. Kansas gets like one. They don't rely on it as much. And I think that's why they both kind of survived this year. But that is really where I think college basketball and thank goodness, because I love watching kids develop over four years or three years or whatever it is. I think it's better. Don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. I think that was good enough. I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? (laughs) I've never done it. (laughs) And and going back sort of to the conversation you mentioned with Pat Forty, I felt like we were getting to a point where college basketball was being I don't want to say dominated because it didn't seem like these guys were winning year in and year out, they weren't. but all of the conversation for most yeah. of these seasons was around like Zion Williamson and um, mm-hmm. the five, whatever five, five-star guys Cal sure. signed that year. And that, that was sort of dictating the conversation all season long. Um, especially if, if the NBA gets rid of the one and done rule and allows guys to come straight in, do we think it's shifting back 
Um, it, I mean, we look at it this year, it feels like it mm -hmm. kind of already has, but do we think this will be a more permanent shift where yes, if you it, like look at Gonzaga, they're all kids that have been there a long time, right? Yeah. They're all kids that have been part of the program and developed and they're juniors and seniors and they're not just relying on a freak athlete. They're relying on five guys that know how to play together. Um, look, look at the champions the last few years. I'm trying to remember and Kentucky won it in 2012 with one and done. I'm trying to think of who, when did, did Duke, Duke won it after them? Yeah. So Duke, what was it? 2014 or 2016? I, I want to say 14. I don't think 16. It's been a few years. So I do, this is headed in that direction. I, I think it is heading because you look at the champions of these, these recent years, they have been programs, not just ones and one and dones. And it's definitely going that way. And I'll tell you what, you talk to Kentucky fan base, they don't like it. They don't like getting to like, they're okay with it. If they're winning, they've won one title in this Cal time. Yeah. It's cool seeing these, and like, it's cool getting, you know, five of the to top the 10 players. kids every year, but you still want to win. And that's a fan base that wants to know those players. It was, uh, it was Robert Morris who took them out in the NIT. You, Thank uh, you. You do not go into Moon Township and uh, go up against Bobby Moe and uh, get out unscathed. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, no, uh, Trevor, I was glad you mentioned Duke as well, because uh, uh, that was the other program that immediately came to mind. And mm -hmm. I, I do kind of wonder how it's going to kind of change college basketball. Like you guys were saying, um, you know, the, the one and done rule uh, with the NBA uh, might change. Yeah, that there's been a lot of talk around that, but we're already seeing um, things happening more with the G League. Sure. You know, there's that there's that one uh, team. I think they're based out of where California. That's not even affiliated with any of the NBA teams. It's just like an independent G League team. That you know, that's another option yeah. for uh, you know players to just bypass high school entirely and and go that route as well. Or the Lamar um, Ball route, and you go overseas. Right. Yep. That's another one. I think the G um, League erases a little bit of that risk. Um, yeah. You guys are a little more comfortable with that. And I, I don't know, personally, I think that's a good idea. I'm I think it's, I don't it. think it's any different than like minor league baseball. Like, because here's the thing, like it's the first, if they get rid of the one and done the, the first maybe few years, a bunch of kids will go and that's okay. I think what's eventually going to happen is they're going to realize, Oh, this is like, a big jump and there's some that'll be fine i mean let's face it zion williamson could have probably gone and he would have been okay you know yeah, i mean, um, I mean but everybody's gonna realize eventually like they're not kobe they're not lebron they're not kevin garnett that's the thing too is i don't know if the one and done really prevent it if you were a, a senior in high school who your senior year you're like well i would go to the nba but i can't so i'm gonna go here anyway you're yeah. gonna go to college and you're still just gonna go pro it's not gonna change your decision like how many kids yeah. are like oh maybe i should have should stay in college like mm -hmm. i don't i don't know that it really benefits anyone it might benefit the nba teams a little bit and that they're not you know drafting kwame browns and shit but <laughs> i, wish I don't know would really go towards like you said a minor league baseball or like a hockey situation you know what i mean and you can even maybe use college as a developmental way but the, the thing that so many of these kids and I'll say it to anyone who's listening. I am most 90% of the time pro athlete. These kids want to start making money because so many of them have the pressure to provide for their families. And as someone who was a college athlete and got that air quote stipend, it's not enough. 
<laughs> what and, uh, have you have you seen anything that's been going on in Indianapolis this week? There's been the uh, the yes. hashtag among the players. There's yes. Kind of a growing sentiment, and uh, mm-hmm. the drum beats getting a little louder. I think from uh, a lot of the players unhappy yeah. with uh, I guess you call that imbalance in, in in the structure right now. It's a mess. And the speaking of imbalance, I actually just tweeted about it before I came on to talk. I was going to ask guys. you about it. <laughs> the discrepancy between amenities between the men's tournament and the women's tournament. So and- I have to ask real quick before you go and explain the rest. Are the tournaments happening at the same time? Yes. Okay. I don't. I had no idea when the women's was starting, but you know, so you have to see this picture. It's women's it's selection depressing. is always the Monday after selection Sunday, and I know this coming from Louisville. Um, the Louisville women's team, for those who don't know, is incredible. Um, I got to cover so many great men's basketball games while I was there, but I got to cover better women's basketball, and it was a gem to cover. I was here in Columbus for the Final Four when the Louisville women made it. That was the greatest final four between all four teams. All three games were insane. Columbus was awesome place to have it. So this picture, for those who haven't seen, it's of the men's weight area, like weights, like lifting weights. Um, And it's like a planet fitness in there. I mean, it is this huge setup that they've made inside this conference room of a hotel, basically. The women's picture is a rack of dumbbells that you would probably have in your basement. Or in your garage, like the triangle with the, with the, the, literally there's the triangle with the dumbbells, not even like a rack, like a triangle of dumbbells. It's like the little like stand thing. Yes. (laughs) And it's just got like a few different waists on the sides. So the NCAA comes out today and says, oh, well, there just wasn't enough space and we were going to make it bigger as the tournament got bigger, as the tournament moved on and we got more space. So like a manager for the South Carolina women's team goes in there. It starts and it takes a video and starts on the weights and then zooms out and turns around. It's an entire it's a convention conference center. room. It's oh, gigantic God. room. It's huge. <laughs> well, not to mention, it's like, huge. why are you adding more equipment as you're reducing the number of teams as you go along? Like, if anything, you need fewer machines to, to lift right. on. That's, uh. <laughs> the video was amazing because the way he did it was brilliant. It started like in the exact same place that the picture was taken. And then he just zoomed out and turned around. Like, it's just... The Good. Biggest, I'm, I'm the glad they that, put him on blast then. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. The thing about it that was kind of confusing to me is like, why even bother with the one rack? <laughs> that's almost more insulting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, the better answer is, oh, we thought we were going to, and then we ran out of stuff. We ran out of stuff. It's like, no, we thought this was enough, so we just stuck with it. Wow. It's um, bad. Whitney, I wanted to... Uh, Go around a, a little bit uh, around the bracket here. Uh, uh-huh. Well, we've still got a couple more minutes. Uh, one other team I wanted to mention: Have you gotten a chance to see much of Cleveland State at all this year? Yes, it's definitely a program with some local interest here in Cleveland. Absolutely, I, I've gotten to see all three Ohio programs. Um, before I get to Cleveland State, just real quick, I'm going to say, watch out for OU. That yeah. is a dang good team. Uh, I did a story <laughs> on Jason Preston. For those who don't know his backstory, it is absolutely one of those heartbreaking, oh my gosh, how did this kid get here situations? Um, Cleveland State, um, they played Ohio State. And actually after that game, Chris Holtman said he was concerned with how his team handled physical play, which is kind of funny when you see where this team is now. Um, 
but that's who Cleveland State is. And he mentioned it specifically at the guard position. He said those guards play very physical and they will get up in you defensively and they just will not give you any room. So I think that, yeah, they could be very scary for a team that, you know, comes in a little bit like, oh, <laughs> although it is funny that that Kelvin, that means Kelvin Sampson's going back to Bloomington. <laughs> I was very excited about that. <laughs> the NCAA, there are no coincidences. None. Um, <laughs> None. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned the Ohio State game for Cleveland State because mm-hmm. I think it was right before that uh, Cleveland State played OU. And that yes. was that game that uh, the Bobcats went on the 40 nothing run. And I think mm-hmm. it ended up winning by like 50 or 60 points. Crazy. And that was, I, you know, there was a great story this week uh, talking with Dennis Gates, the Cleveland state coach. And he said mm-hmm. that that sequence there of games was really the turning point for their whole season. Yeah. Cause the, the OU game was the low point, And then they had that game with Ohio state they played very well. They lost, but they were extremely competitive and it kind of took the light on for them to say like, Hey, we can, we can do this. We're, we're, you know, we, we can play the season's not going to, you know, get out of, get away from us here. So yeah, uh, they were they were kind of fun to watch in the Horizon League tournament. Trav and I flipped them on a couple nights. Uh, we texted each other like, "Hey, you, you got to turn on ESPN Plus. This is a uh, this is fun." Yeah, I was sitting in the hospital watching CSU basketball. <laughs> like, I, knew, I love that. Did not know this is what I'd be doing with my life, but um, I think that all the time. Yeah, like it, when I'm standing like outside like a locker room filled with like 18 to 22 year olds waiting to go in, I'm like, "This is what I'm doing with my life." Yeah. Could be worse. <laughs> could be. All right, Whitney, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Ooh. Ooh. If Ohio State wins it all, mm. or for Ohio State to win it all, they need to blank. Does that be one word or a phrase yeah, word? I don't know, whatever the hell you want. To win it all, Ohio State needs to play complete games. They need to not have those lulls like we've seen where they go like three to five minutes and don't score. They need to play complete games. Yep. Got to uh, got to land the plane. They had a few games down yep. the stretch there where they, the, the finishing stretches got a little bumpy. Got to land the plane. I don't know got how many. Yeah, game. I don't know how many times in the Big Ten tournament they were up by 10 and then five minutes later, game was tied again. And then against Illinois, total opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and more power to them because they fought back into the game. But, I mean, when I was watching, I think if, if you were someone who has watched Mich- uh, Ohio State over the last month, in that Michigan game, I, they got up like 11 or 12, and I'm like, mm-hmm. guarantee this is like a one-possession game at the end of the game. Oh, guarantee yeah. it. And that's what oh, yeah. happened. And it's And I don't know what it is about them that they sort of lack that. I don't yeah. want to say they lack like the killer instinct or whatever. That's just sort of cliche and no. crazy. But there's something about when they get a comfortable lead, they play a little bit different. Um, do it's you think? Lulls. Do you think they? Do you think their defense is good enough to win? Yes. If they if their defense if they play the way they so if you look at the Illinois game, don't look at the final score because Illinois started off like halfway through the first half. They had 25 points. That meant that means that they were on pace for a hundred plus, right? They didn't. And get Ohio there. State started off terrible. Terrible, and they didn't get there. So, 
after those first 10 minutes, the defense did kick in. And a lot of it was they were forcing Kofi Coburn to like make a play and not just catch and, and like turn around and dunk because he's a large man and can just dunk over anyone. I don't so, know how many times during that game I just yelled, follow the shit out of him. Oh, Every time yeah, he touched the ball, him. I wanted him to hack him. Yeah, I mean, and that's, yeah, just foul him. Yeah. Um, so I think if their defense plays the way they did against Michigan, yes, they they can. The question is going to be what kind of offenses are they going to play? Because you know in the NCAA tournament, you're going to get some team that plays like a full court press. And it's just they struggled like, against the press when it showed up in the tournament. Everyone does because like you're gonna get like a West Virginia or somebody like that, and you never see it. And don't get me started on how referees never call fouls because they're like, oh, well, that's just how they play defense. No, a reach in's a reach in, and I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> but Teddy won't be there, so no concerns. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no Teddy. Oh, the worst. Womp, get, yeah. Give me a Cinderella story in the in the bracket here. Not Who's, OU. No! Oh, you! I'm. Oh, you's not a Cinderella anymore. Literally no, they're not. Everyone is picking OU. They're, I'm, they're I'm, not a Cinderella. President Obama put him in the Sweet Sixteen. I, I saw I, that. He's just trying to get votes in a swing state. No one told him Ohio's not going blue anytime soon. No, oh no! I think Texas is closer at this point. Unfortunately. Um. Okay. I'm trying to think. Is I'll be. I'll be very honest. I think I've only looked at a full bracket twice. Because I've just been so focused on the Ohio teams um, and, and what they're going to do. It wouldn't be a real Cinderella, I'll say, but I think a team to really watch out for is Oklahoma State. Um, they're not a, like a double number seed or anything like that, but they, in my opinion, have probably been the best team since mid-February. Uh, that like no one's really talking about because the Big 12, kind of like the Big 10, was very good this year. Um, I mean, they have one of the best players in the country in Cade Cunningham. He is probably maybe going to be the number one overall pick in the draft this year. I was going to um, say, that's the rallying cry among a, a certain segment of Cavs fans. Fade yeah. for Cade. <laughs> and watch him because he is amazing. And he, it's not just that he's a good player. He's so smart. And he knows how to involve his teammates. And that's what makes them so good. Like, there will be games where you look and you're like, wow, Cade Cunningham's having a quiet. He has 15 points? How? Because he just does all these different things. So not really a, probably a Cinderella, but probably a team that might be a bit of a sleeper, if that makes it, maybe a Snow White. They're a four seed. I know, but no one's really talking about them. I feel like, I, I think I agree with you because I see a ton of stuff about Cade Cunningham. I see people that, yeah. you know, they'll flip on Oklahoma State and they'll talk about how good Cade Cunningham is. I don't know that anyone talks about anything else mm -hmm. other than him i don't think really people really acknowledge that they're a pretty damn good team really good. um outside of him yeah they've got shooters they've got some size they play strong inside they are a good team but like i said kind of like the big 10 there were so many good teams in the big 12 so i think like i said they're like a sleeper for me a cinderella i mean yeah ou has been my pick before it got cool like, yeah, now I'm not cool. It's like, I feel like, a you know, like I'm in high school and I'm like, oh, I don't like this band anymore because everybody else does. Everybody else is talking about <laughs> Yeah. Tino texted me earlier today about OU because everyone is liking them. It's like, it's almost like that guarantees they're going to lose. I know. How much people are in on them almost feels like the kiss of death. But um, yeah, when I was, when I was talking with the OU radio guys, I said, you know, I, I it concerns me a little bit that they've gotten this trendy 
especially when they're going to be playing in the only site that has no fans. Every yeah. other arena that they're playing in, <laughs> these tournament games, there's at least some fans. And this one, right. you know, it's, it's empty. And one of the best things in March Madness is watching a, a crowd, you know, Everybody outside of the, the the favorite section, the entire rest of the arena, all rallies around an underdog, yes. and they're not going to get that bump. So I'm trying yeah, to we'll find a bracket happens. real quick to see if I can give a better answer. Than- all right, quick trivia question. I'm 99.9% positive, Whitney. You know the answer to this. If you Ooh. did before, like the last week, don't answer. Tino, where is Oral Roberts? <laughs> I do know this. <laughs> oh, I, no. I, I think you only knew this know this because of where you grew up. I know this because of a certain coach. Okay. And yes, where I grew up. I'm going to search on this one. It's in Oklahoma. Yes. My initial guess when I, when one of my buddies asked me the same question was, I want to say Pennsylvania, but I know that I'm just thinking of Robert Morris. So Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Yes. It's in Oklahoma. And I know that because um, for those listening, my whole family is from Kansas and there is a very prominent coach in Kansas who used to be a head coach at Oral Roberts. Oh, I would not have made that connection. By the name of Bill Self. Well-known fact. Well-known oh. fact. Okay, I'm still looking to see if I can. This is like the smallest font. You know you're old when. <laughs> like, How about this? Because you've, you've watched a lot of Big Ten. Is there any team outside of Ohio State, Michigan, um, who else was a high seat? I think Iowa was a high Illinois, seat. Of, sort Iowa. of the lower uh, Illinois was. Yeah. Okay. So yes, of the of like the Rutgers, Maryland. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is a lower seat. Michigan State didn't get in. Or First Michigan State's plan. The fact that you've got three teams in one conference that could oh, legitimately win the national title and nobody would be surprised is really impressive. Yes. Yeah. So Michigan it, State is in, actually. Um, did they win? Did they play today and win? They no, they're the late, late game. They're the late, late game. And honestly, like, if they get the win and they're in, I never want to bet against Tom Izzo in March. Ever. I don't care who. Like, I could see them doing, like, what Syracuse did. Remember when Syracuse was, like, the 11 seed a few years ago and they had the play-in game and they got all the way to the Sweet 16 and everybody's just going, where is this team been? I mean, look at the UConn team that won it as a nine seed. Like, it only takes one guy. If Michigan State, they might have that guy. I don't know who he is. Like, I don't know which one it would be, but Maybe they always State. recruit really well. And if, if, if Yeah. So, I mean, I never want to go against Tom, Tom Izzo in March. I mean, Purdue's a four seed, so they're not super low, but Purdue is really good. I would say Purdue is probably one of the more underrated teams in the Big Ten, kind of like the Oklahoma State in the Big 12. Kind of a similar scenario in that there were just so many good teams. People kind of forgot about them, but... Purdue is really good. They're, they beat Ohio State twice. So Purdue is really good. Um, I'm still looking for that Cinderella. I'm still liking my Oklahoma State, but I'll find something yet. I'll let you stick with OU. Yay! I- I'll take your word for it that you had them before. <laughs> I did, because I love Jason Preston. Ever since I did that story with him, he is, uh, I think, oh, who was it? Someone one of the big outlets did a story with him this week saying a sports writer might be the best player you don't know in the tournament. And that's true. Like he had no intention of playing college basketball and actually was starting to take classes at a school in Florida for sports writing. Like for sports He was journalism. covering, wasn't he covering the Pistons for like SB Nation or something? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. He was an NBA like little like beat sports writer, and someone and he had a buddy that said, "Hey, come to this like AAU, come play for my AAU team or something like that." And he went and played, and suddenly blew up. And I say blew up, and that he went to got a college scholarship to go to OU, and that he dropped like a ridiculous amount of points on Illinois. That's right. That was, they, they was kind of the uh, the arrival. They should have won that game. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whitney, you uh, you you promised us twenty minutes, so you have given us almost forty five. This has <laughs> been uh, fantastic. I can, I can talk feel about like basketball for hours. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This has been great, and uh, I feel like I'm ready for March Madness now. So, yes. thanks a lot for uh, for joining us. This was fun. Always a pleasure. All right. As a reminder, you can subscribe to the Nail on the Coffin on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening platform you can also stream us on waitingfornextyear.com speaking of waiting for next year support us on patreon patreon.com slash wfny and hit that nail in the coffin tier uh, our thanks again to whitney harding uh, for travis yuley i'm tom valentino it's been the nail in the coffin part of the evergreen podcast network we'll catch you again soon Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on.